Rosie and Bill Show wish to thank our primary sponsors, The Mallon Agency, located in Springfield, PA, where they take pride in exceeding expectations every time. Anthony DiCecco and our friends at Tennis Addiction are ready to serve all your tennis needs at their beautiful facility in Exton, PA. Welcome everyone to the Rosie and Bill Show. Our guest this week is a chart-topping songwriter, singer, actor, author, and most recently, he's been on a mission to bring people together with the help of his new song and video. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show, a man of many, many talents, Mason Douglas. Mason, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you very, very much for having me. Super pleasure to be here and can't wait to uh, talk with you all. Yeah, Mason, we understand that you wear a lot of hats in Nashville, but we want to start back uh, to, I guess you grew up in Tucson, Arizona, right? I did, yeah. Grew up an Air Force bred out in Tucson. I was born in Glendale, just outside of Phoenix, but we moved around a bit and got to hang out in Hawaii. I lived in England for a little while when I was little in Virginia, but uh, yeah, Hawaii was was awesome because I was just starting to remember I was starting to appreciate traveling, and then uh, and landed in Tucson for uh, when my dad retired, and that's where I that's where I grew up, went to school, and that's where I left when I right before I came to Nashville. Well, how would you say that that being the son of an Air Force pilot and moving around like that, and and really having the opportunity to experience so many different places in the country, how did that shape you not only as a person but also as an artist? So that is one of the people ask, how can, what are some steps we can take to, as we'll dive into this whole thing, but how can we minimize division? How can we cancel division? What can we do? For me, the one of the first things is education. And one of the first things I learned in my life with all that traveling, especially overseas, abroad, was just how good we have it here in America. And so that shaped me a lot. I was able to I was able to appreciate because I was able to see firsthand, um, you know, exactly what America was compared to other places and, and how they live and lifestyles culturally, uh, poverty levels and uh, so many, so many different aspects. And it really clicked in early that, man, we got pretty good here. We're also in Tucson. We're about 60 miles from the border. So back then it was we could go down to Mexico and cross over, super safe, go shopping, have a fun day and come back. Nowadays, a little bit more dangerous. But even just that journey, you'd walk by and the border would be there, just a chain link fence. And you'd see these cardboard boxes in some cases sitting there. And it was amazing to see night and day just how you know how different the American side was from the, from the Mexican side. So, yeah, that that travel and that experience really shaped uh, my appreciation for this country, for sure. That's the first thing. The other side is the fighter pilot mentality. My dad was a fighter pilot, so I got to grow up where, and <laughs> uh, with that, those ideals thrown around the house, lots of off-color jokes and stories about uh, Vietnam and all that, all that crazy fighter pilot uh, lore that you hear about, and that that was running through my household. So that was that was another uh, another big defining moment that I I didn't know at the time, but looking back, it was uh, it was really molding what uh, what the messages is that I'm bringing these days. Along those lines of kind of growing up and how you became the artist and person that you are, I also understand that you you listen to a lot of different types of music, and your mom was a big Chris Ledoux fan even before people knew who he was. Um, and he's actually the reason I got into country music 30 years ago. But there was something about an Alan Jackson concert that you attended that really impacted you. So can you share that with us? 
man, you, you've been doing your digging, haven't you? Man, that's some good research right there. <laughs> yeah. I, I fell in love with uh, country when Garth came. Garth, yeah, I was listening to Def Leppard and Tears for Fears and even Donny Osmond and Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, Pearl Jam. And then this guy, Garth Brooks, comes along and um, that just completely upended everything. And when he um, he had the line in Much Too Young about God bless Chris Ledoux, and uh, so I was like, hey, mom, you know, I was I got to go get some Chris Ledoux tapes because Garth Brooks mentioned him. I got to go see what this guy's all about. And she goes, come here, sonny boy. And she goes over to her little tape rack, opens it up, and it's just stock full of Chris Ledoux. I'm like, what? Mom was cool and I didn't know it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, um, that was one of those moments where mom just, yeah, she, she uh destroyed any perception that I had of her um, her country coolness because she was definitely country before it was cool no question but um yeah my sister she was four years older she would always be telling me the cool bands and she'd be blaring that boom box in her room so I'd get to hear the stuff and and I'd be like oh that, that's cool I gotta learn what what these songs are um but yeah country was never never huge the cool thing about growing up that way though was I was getting the rock and the pop influences myself and through my sister because that's what I was interested in but mom was having the country around when we were driving somewhere in the background or in the other room. I was absorbing this the whole time. So when I all of a sudden had that appreciation for country, I was I realized I had the encyclopedia kind of already starting to be written in my brain from just what she was listening to. I knew who Ricky Van Shelton was. I knew who George Strait was. I, uh, you know, the, who the Judds were and who Hank was, et cetera, et cetera. So it, uh, it really, really benefited me once I, once I decided to turn the corner. And you can hear though in in some of your music that fusion though of those oh, cool. influences. I think that's awesome. Yeah, How I can't get rid of the eighties or nineties country whatsoever. I've tried, but it just keeps popping out. So I have to uh, in collaborations. I got to go to the super pop guys in order to balance out my nineties country, and we we can meet somewhere <laughs> in the middle. Well, it's all good stuff there, Mason. What prompted the move to Nashville? Like, when did you go from just being a fan of country music and music in general to playing and singing and writing? Yeah, it was, um, I was uh, at a party uh, with my my best friend and still my best friend to this day. And we we were at a, we were at a house in Tucson and he picked up, um, he, he knew guitar. He didn't sing much, but he knew the guitar. And I, again, I was a huge Garth fan, but I didn't sing much either, but he started playing the dance and I was like, oh, I know this song. So I started singing and the whole crowd came around and, um, and so we started playing out. We started doing gigs at little bar and grills around town. We go up to Phoenix and Flagstaff and play the state in the area and, um, just have us a little blast playing an acoustic duo. Uh, we were named the two of hearts. And then somebody said, uh, what the two farts? And we said, oh, we got to change our name. So it's, uh, uh, we became Shades of Grey and Heather's Intention, all sorts of different names. But uh, that was where it all started. I, Yeah, it was going to, uh, you mentioned that Alan Jackson concert. I went to that and I just saw him play and something just hit me that day. I never really considered it as a true career until going to see him. And it was just one of those defining moments. I remember standing there watching him and just feeling it. I just totally felt it come over me. Um and I was like, okay, well, I can do that. That that's that's a possibility. That, that's something I can do. And then here's the cool part that I always go back to, and um, I want to reach out to this guy because I, I look him up every now and then to see what he's doing. But I was um, I was a uh, MIS major in college, so I was doing computer programming and interface design and all that you know technical stuff, yada yada. And I was getting ready to be hired by IBM, 
and they were just going to do a group hire. They're going to send me to Boulder, Colorado. And I was like, okay, well, let's, let's check this out. That's cool. And it was, it was very plan a, it was a very structured plant a item. Um, and then this guy, Jack King, he was the, um, he was the recruiter for, for IBM. And we sat in the building of old Maine. If you guys ever see pictures of university of Arizona, there's a giant building at the end of the mall and it's called old Maine. I sat in the basement and he asked me that typical interview question. He said, what would you be doing right now if you could be doing anything? Ooh. I said, oh, well, I'd be in Nashville writing songs and playing playing and singing. And he goes, well, why aren't you doing that? And it was the first time anybody had ever truly validated saying, well, you can do it. What, what are you doing talking to me here? And he was dead serious. He was, he was not even being sarcastic. He was like, well, what, what are you doing with me then? If that's what you want to do, his subtext was, you're young enough, you're you, you, you can always come back to IBM if, you know, if it tanks in a year or whatever. And so uh, he got me thinking, I said, yeah, what am I doing here? And I left there, I did not accept the IBM pro proposal at all. And went uh, about three or four months later, I was in a, um, in a U-Haul headed to Nashville. So it was pretty, pretty crazy. I got to, I got to thank the guy who was trying to hire me for uh, discouraging me from taking the job. <laughs> wow. That's a great story. I love that. Yeah, I, I go back to it in, in my brain and I just, it's one of those, man, branching, one of the crossroads. Like if I took that one, where would life be if I had gone that way? But instead I, I took the, uh, definitely the path less traveled in, in that group for sure. It's one of those everything happens for a reason moments. There's a reason why you two met and he said what he said. But the fact that you actually were willing to take it in and then take action, a lot of people, you know, they just would have moved on and just said oh yeah but I'll take the job you actually took it to heart and really gave it some thought and then took the action I think that's where it drops off with a lot of folks yeah and it's three words he could have just said oh that's a great answer that's uh cool we'll write that down jot it down and then the next question but the fact that he looked me dead in the eye and said why aren't you and I was like oh man here's some deep digging oh why aren't I what am I what am I chicken <laughs> so yeah. Well, he was probably saving himself some rehiring four months down the road also. You know what I mean? He so oh, it yeah. was very wise for him to to just call it, call you out on it right then. So mm -hmm. let's fast forward now. You're in Nashville and and you're getting things going because we understand in addition to being a singer and a songwriter, you also did some acting, you've written books, you worked on the show Nashville. And I have a question. Did you write any music on that show? Because the music on that show was phenomenal. I wrote so much music for it, but it never got accepted. So, uh, oh, yeah, we were pitching that thing every other day. Just uh, it was it was kind of a closed, tight circle. And once you got in there, it was very kind of, you know, the, it was tough to break through. Um but uh, yeah, we wrote a lot of that stuff and pitched it. I, yeah, I was I was lucky enough to I started off as an extra, ended up being the sound guy for the Beverly uh, Beverly restaurant or Beverly bar, I guess that Deacon was opening. So if you uh, go to I don't even know what season it was by that point. Um, but I remember yeah, Kelsey Ballerini was playing up on the stage, and I was looking like I was running sound. And then Chip comes up and yells at me, et cetera. And then the next episode, we're all gathered around. It was just cool to have a kind of a, a character and a part and. Uh, and I just, I love, yeah, as far as acting, I don't want to be Shakespearean to be, you know, I don't want to be doing that or anything. I just, I love being on sets and seeing the process and watching it all happen. And, uh, I think, I think it's fascinating. Uh, again, I think it's too much pressure to be totally overly Hollywood, but, um, I, I think it's a, a, a fun thing to do definitely on the side. For sure. 
Now, one thing I wanted to touch on, Mason, is the fact that, you know, those songs that you submitted, you know, to Nashville, they may not have been picked up, but many, many others have been over the years. And I wanted to just focus on two of the songs that you played a part in. And one was you wrote for your childhood hero, John Schneider, Can I Buy You a Beer? And the other for Kid Rock became your first number one. So what were those experiences like? Oh, man, those are those more moments, very full circle, especially with John. Um, when I was four years old, we lived in Hampton, Virginia. My dad was stationed at Langley Air Force Base, and we would go up to Bush Gardens in Williamsburg. And if John Schneider was playing, we'd be there because I was such a Dukes of Hazard fan. I was just Bo Duke all the way, dressed up for him as Halloween and had all the lunch boxes. And I just had to go see Bo Duke. And um, so we'd go down there and <clears throat> I knew all the... Uh, excuse me, knew all the words to his songs. And I was telling him later, rather be number 34 in Atlanta than to be number one in LA was a kickoff track to one of his albums. And I just had that thing on repeat over and over and over and over and over and over and over. And um, I can still sing that thing to this day. And uh, so, yeah, I told, you know, I grew up, John Schneider was, you know, became part of my childhood and didn't think much about it. And then I was in my publisher's office one day and she said, oh, yeah, uh, you ever heard of John Schneider? I said, yeah. And she said, well, he wants to cut a couple of your songs. I'm like, what? Hold oh, on a second. And next thing I knew, I'm in the studio with him, watching him record. And next thing I know, I'm going to a show in Franklin, Tennessee, and he's got the song on his uh, T-shirt. So I had to buy one for the whole family. And uh, he has got the video out for, for Buy You a Beer. He also had another song called Kid From Somewhere that I'm super proud of. I love that song. It's one of my absolute favorites I've ever written. And so he recorded those two. And it was just, like I said, it's it's one of those hero moments where I'm probably not going to retire off of it. But it was just such a, you know, just to have, hang out with John, to uh, to be recorded by him and, and be part of that whole thing was, was unbelievable. Uh, Kid Rock, that was... Uh, Kind of another weird full circle thing. When I first got to Nashville, I was working for an asphalt company and we'd go out to these, uh, this was in 2000, and we'd go out to to job sites, et cetera, et cetera, and be hanging out. But these guys were into heavy, heavy metal and hard rock that I was hanging out with. And so they'd be blasting uh, just all the new heavy metal stuff that was that was coming out. And then they'd start playing this guy, Kid Rock. And it was back when Ba went to Ba and only God knows why. So he was really the first artist that I first new artist that I was introduced to. And I dug when I when I came to Nashville uh, and again, didn't think much of Kid Rock. And then all these years later, we get introduced. We start writing together, doing some tracking. And then, yeah, oddly enough, I come to Nashville to be a uh, country singer, songwriter, and my first number one has the is in all genre billboard. It's in hard rock, rock, rap, and just all these genres. Nothing country whatsoever, but uh, uh, it's just so funny how the how the circle turns sometimes. But again, just so many, so many good blessings and and victories all around when um, uh, when those little things happen there. It's it's pretty unbelievable. Mason, you're such a down-to-earth guy. I mean, as you were telling both stories, but in particular the John Schneider story, I was like, I'm so happy for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've I've know people who have had their songs recorded by Garth and their songs recorded by um, you know, like George Jones, and they're just like, oh man, it was a hero moment. And for me, I couldn't put anybody above John as far as my hero, the, the first one who got me doing what I'm doing, the first songs I sang that I knew the words to, that the guy I learned how to spin a record to. And uh, so, yeah, it was, again, I would take a Garth cut any day, a George Jones would have been great, but um, I would have traded them all for John Schneider cut, to be honest.
Mason, let's fast forward now to your current song, I Miss America. Bill and I both listened to it and the lyrics are so compelling. It's just a really powerful song. What was the inspiration behind that song? Sure. Um, well, first off, the, the the easy part is I just I knew the term Miss America was hanging out in my brain. I had that down in my hookbook as a songwriter. I got hundreds of these titles and I knew Miss America, but not the pageant. I knew it was going to be I Miss America and uh, didn't really know how to write it yet or what, what I was writing it for. I just knew that I, I wanted to write it at some point. And then, uh, yeah, my, my buddy Clarence J, he's um, he wrote the song Friday for Rebecca Black that went absolutely viral. Billions of spins and, and views on that. Uh, uh, again, the guy's a, a studio and, and virality genius there. So we just uh, we met at a so local songwriter showcase here and uh, and decided to get in the studio and, and start start recording something or at least writing something. Um, and we started talking about our kids, about the about the world, about the, the town. And yeah, just ultimately about the country and where it's where it's at. And um, we we're both completely on on board the idea. And again, he's, he just started building, building a little track there. But uh, uh, I was like, man, if we're talking about all the stuff going on in, in the country right now, um, I was also just coming off the the We the People for for Kid Rocks. So that was uh, uh, that was still a steaming engine there. And I was like, well, you know, I got something red, white, and blue. If you want to aim at that and. And this Miss America title, he's like, oh, man, I absolutely love it. So then we just sat and talked about what do we miss about America? What what did America used to be in our heads? What what do we want it to be again for our kids? He's He's got kids and I got uh, my my new two year old. And we're like, we're, what do we want to do? What uh, I heard it best put earlier. There was a, that the, the country right now is like a beat up uh, house that uh, that we get to rebuild we get to make it pretty again. So how do we want to rebuild this house? How do we, how do we want to refurbish it? And what uh, we get to do that with our kids and let them, let them kind of take it, rebuild the house to their level as well. So um, we just started talking about that. And that's where all those lyrics started pouring out. It used to be John Wayne, James Dean. And then obviously there's all the kneeling stuff, standing tall with the backbone. There's a rock will, rock and roll. And just, it just, once it, once we hit it and touched on it, 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 it had been festering inside of me, I guess, boiling up. And, um, you know, and we, we made sure that we didn't, obviously the, the Kid Rock, We the People was extremely uh, one-sided. We know which side it was. It's the Kid Rock side. There's no question. And when you're, when you're writing for, uh, for an artist and their brand, then you just, you, you go right where it's at and, um, and you own it and you're proud of it. And, but we want on this one, we didn't want to go full force, just anybody's face. We wanted to say, Hey, y'all, everybody needs to get on this message. It's not just, um, um, any one side is, a uh, any any better or lesser than anybody else this is a, a message for everybody right now that we we need to listen to and trying to get that trying to get that message across again lots of lots of lashback on on socials especially tiktok i don't even go on tiktok because it's just where all the trolls hang out but uh, the positive side is it's been nothing but great feedback on um uh 99% great feedback on youtube and and facebook and that's where all the shares are happening so hopefully the message is getting through we're still trying to um trying to get that viral uh, viral moment happen where we're just about at a million total total shares and, and views so we're getting there but uh, uh we'd love to we'd love to take this thing to the next level well, mason i have to tell you one of the things i thought was pretty cool was over the last i don't know week or two I, i've looked on youtube and every time i go back because I've, I've probably watched the video 20 times i just i just oh, love wow. it <laughs> and every time i go back to watch the video it's got another five or ten thousand views so yeah. it's just, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. And one thing I'd be remiss if I didn't touch on this because I, I've heard you mention a phrase that I think 
really kind of embodies what this song meant to me. And you used a phrase where you said, agree to disagree unity. And mm-hmm. just like, what a concept. So could you just talk a little bit about that? Because I, you, you've in so many different wonderful ways, I think talked about some ways outside of the song where we could really start coming together. And I really give you a lot of credit for that. Well, thank you. That's a, uh, yeah, it's a hard, it's, it's going to be a hard message to get through for, for a lot of folks, but uh what I truly believe and what, what what I've come across with my friends and the way and the America that I do miss. Again, I look back at my childhood and I, we had family friends who didn't agree with us politically. Uh, we didn't bring it up a whole lot, but nobody hated each other. We still had backyard barbecues and and, uh, you know, raise the beard. And and I, that's how I said, it. can we can we toast the beer when we're done with our conversation? And we used to do that. That's that's the part that I really miss. And um, so, yeah, it's. Uh, it's going to be a tough, tough message for a lot of folks who, I mean, there was just a study by the University of Virginia who said anybody, it's like 50% of people believe that if somebody is not in their party, then it's worth violence against the other party or something, something insane like that. And I'm like, good God, what is, what is going on here? So that kind of mentality. So point being, getting back, and I've said this quite a bit, it's the, but it's the best way I can put it is, look, think of your old Venn diagram from math class, and you have your righties and your lefties right here. And so on the edges of the Venn diagram, you're going to have all your extreme crap that everybody's being fed by the headlines, all the shocking, can you believe they said that? Everybody on this side thinks that, and they have, that's where that fringe is, same on the other side. But in the middle there, that's where you and I are sitting. That's where your neighbor's sitting, we're not all headline attention, you know, just uh, I don't even know what to call them, but uh, we're not all fringe. We, the vast majority of us are in the middle here. And I think a lot of us want to talk and, and and figure stuff out. And that's that's the movement of I Miss America. When you see that hat, if you if you get a hat, get a shirt, or you see somebody walking, then then we want the uh, we want the message to be, OK, here's somebody who's willing to have the conversation and not just fight or be violent or name call this is this is somebody who wants better for the country and is willing to um to have have the hard conversations to make that happen yes and it's it's it is going to be kind of a labor of love and i think love has to come into it we have to to have bring back compassion and kindness for each other and and stop looking at each other as the enemy um no matter Absolutely. what side you're on you know it like I don't know, just for me personally, it's a lot of prayers and hopes that (laughs) we can come together on this, but it's wonderful that you are embarking on this mission through music because music can be life-changing and it can really get to places in people's minds and hearts that, that conversations can't. So hopefully that will go a long way to healing this country So thank you so much, Mason, for sharing your life, your music, everything with us. And we wish you all the best with the song and with everything you've got coming up. And we really appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you very much for... uh for letting me on here and and uh speak the speak about the mission there again it's just all about less fighting more uniting that's the tagline that did make it in the song but uh uh i always go back to that first those first couple words or first couple lines in the chorus of the song which is i miss the old days when we came together and we'd all say let's make it better so that's what we're trying to do just make a little bit better one ear at a time maybe one song at a time one person at a time but uh um we'll get there we just gotta gotta keep playing Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much again, Mason. And folks, thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next week. The Sunday Dinner Show. used to be John Wayne and James Dean from sea to shine and sea we used to be baseball and apple pie bringing on the American dream we used to be Rockwell and rock and roll standing up for the stars and stripes we used to be OC can you see hand on our hearts with pride but a new generation dividing the nation is hating and breaking what made it great and trying to fake it and take it on over to the extreme thinking freedom is free if only they could see the way it used to be i miss the old days when we came together and we'd all say let's make it better but that train jumped the track let's bring our country back home sweet home of the brave and the Saved. I miss her open arms, I miss her hope and love, but most of all, man, I miss America. We used to be the golden ring, the ivory tower, standing tall with the backbone. We used to be first world superpower, now they're laughing all the way back home. It was essential, the presidential Consequential for the century turned into a crash and a burn And then the truth was buried by who's red, who's white, who's blue I don't give a damn to you I miss the old days when we came together And we'd all say let's make it better But that train jumped the track Let's bring that country back home Sweet home of the brave and the bold Yeah, she's something to save I miss her open arms, I miss her hope and love America. How far we fallen, y'all believe in what ballin' While oppressing all the voices and choices all in The name of tolerance, this isn't the way to be living And now we're driven on a mission to cancel division Man, I miss the old back America. This week's episode has been brought to you by Doherty and Company Insurance Services for all your business and personal insurance needs. 
our friends at Tennis Addiction in Exton, PA, and the Malin Agency, where exceeding expectations is how they do business. Interested in becoming a partner in positivity? Send us an email, Rosie and Bill Show 2018 at gmail.com.